So President Biden's massive three and a half trillion dollar spending package appears to be in peril. Thankfully, yes, it is in danger of failing. Pelosi keeps delaying the vote. That is a good thing. Coming up, I'm going to tell you what is in this massive bill. Assuming, by the way, I'm going to give you the list. Assuming I can stomach it. Assuming that I can actually get through the list without getting physically ill. I mean, this is a massive socialist spending spree. This is a massive tax hike. We want to raise taxes. We're Democrats. I'm Joe Biden. Vote for me. I'll raise your taxes. I know it's only the rich. It's not only the rich. This is the Build Back Better bill. It should be called the Bankrupt Your Kids bill. And the Democrats, as I said, may not have the votes to pass this thing. Uh, leftists are blaming, the radicals are blaming the moderates, so-called. The moderates are blaming the radicals. So you got everybody in the Democrat land blaming everybody else, which is always fun. And the thing, there are no moderates. There are no moderates. There are no centrists. Don't buy into this bogus narrative of the media. There are socialists and socialist light. That's the two parties. That's the two wings of the Democrats. Maybe Joe Manchin is just a good old-fashioned liberal, not a moderate, not a centrist, as the media keeps claiming. Bernie Sanders and Ocasio have hijacked the party. Make no mistake about it. Biden is literally following the lead of Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez and the Green New Deal and Medicare for All. Biden's controlled by the socialist wing. Why is that? Because he knows that they represent the majority of the party. By the way, Bernie Sanders is being – so all of that is coming up. Bernie Sanders is being ridiculed on Twitter. Sanders put out a tweet saying two senators cannot be allowed to defeat what 48 senators want and what 210 House members want. So Bernie – and it's like uh head scratcher. Hello, Bernie. Actually, no, um, 48 senators is the minority. This is literally a direct quote of the Bernie Sanders tweet. And people are making fun of him like you've been in the Senate for 50 years. You know the rules. It's the majority. Forget the 60 vote, the filibuster. They figured out a way to circumvent that, but you need 50. So he says two senators – he's talking about Manchin and Cinema. Two senators cannot be allowed to defeat what 48 senators and 210 House members want. Well, let's do the math here. 48 out of 100, that's the minority. So yes, two senators. It's actually 52 senators overcoming 48. And 210 members of the House, by the way, that is also not the majority of 435 House members if you do the math, which apparently Bernie is a little bit confused by. All right, also new details on the Afghanistan debacle. It appears that Joe Biden lied amongst his many lies. He lied about the advice. We now have evidence based on testimony that Joe Biden lied about the advice that he was given by his own generals. Yeah, Biden lied to George Stephanopoulos, as was testified to by his own military leaders, his own generals last week in, in Congress. We're going to explain. Kamala Harris, oh boy, Kamala Harris is trying to spin things around, trying to mop up her mess. Kamala Harris basically agreed that Israel is guilty of ethnic genocide. And uh, you look, if you say I'm slightly exaggerating, look, at the very least, Kamala validated that belief. She validated, she certainly did not object. She was literally faced with it head on. She will explain to you what happened over here, that uh, there was a group of students gathering a question answer session with Kamala, and one student accused Israel point blank of committing ethnic genocide, and Kamala did not object, did not argue, did not debate, did not defend Israel, none of that. And in fact, she validated the opinion. So you'll tell me, well, but she doesn't really believe that Israel is guilty of ethnic genocide. We have no idea, but, you know, she certainly has – if she doesn't believe it, she certainly has a strange way of showing it, and she certainly doesn't view it as as vicious anti-Semitism, 
which is exactly what it is. Here's what she said. Literally, there was this question-answer session, and a student uh, made the point in her question, as we'll get to, that Israel is guilty of, of committing ethnic genocide. And Kamala was completely casual in her response. Kamala said that the student had a right to be heard. We'll read you the exact quote. Kamala, now, the, the student is actually a vicious anti-Semite who does not have the right to be heard. But here's the problem with Kamala Harris. She And we've said this so many times, she has zero core. Kamala Harris has zero core. It is all about Kamala. It is all about whatever it takes to get elected, whether it's being a tough attorney general in California or then turning into this very lenient attorney general in California or twisting around the facts, revising history, or whether it's about calling Biden a racist. Remember remember when Kamala in the debate accused Biden of being racist? I, I know you're not a racist, but, you know, that little girl was me. You said that busing. Remember Kamala said, Senator Biden, you were opposed to busing. Well, that little girl was me and had that famous soundbite in the debate. And uh, she's accusing Biden essentially of being a racist. And then later they pretended, well, then Biden actually chose her to be because he needed a black female to be his VP, his running mate. And suddenly they acted as though that whole incident never happened. So Kamala has no core. She does whatever she needs to do to win. And she's still not very good at winning, by the way. So here, during a discussion last week on Tuesday um, between between students at George Mason University in Virginia and Kamala Harris, uh, this, this, this student literally accused there, uh, literally stood there and accused Israel of ethnic genocide. The student identified herself as part Yemeni, part Iranian, and not American, and she said, quote, several days ago there were funds allocated to support Israel, which hurts my heart because it's ethnic genocide and displacement of people, the same that happened in America, and I'm sure you're aware of this, is literally a student sitting there telling this to Kamala Harris. It is on video, and the student then asked, why is money going to Israel and Saudi Arabia and not to social issues in America? Quote, the people have spoken very often what they need. I feel like there's a lack of listening. I feel like I need to bring this up because it affects my life and the people I really care about. So again, she says there were funds allocated to backing Israel. Hurts my heart because it's ethnic genocide and displacement of people, just like in America. And then she literally equated Israel with the Saudis. And what did Harris say in response? She, she said, I'm glad that you spoke up. Quote, your voice, your perspective, your experience, your truth cannot be suppressed. It must be heard. So number one, Kamala said she is glad. That's a quote. She's glad that the student spoke up. And she says, your voice must be heard, your perspective, your truth. Your truth cannot be suppressed. It must be heard. So uh, the words Kamala was apparently looking for were, uh, you're a vicious anti-Semite. How dare you? How dare you accuse Israel, which is the only democracy in the Middle East, which is that Israel literally, they have millions of Arabs living there freely and represented by parliament. And uh, that does, stuff doesn't happen anywhere in the Middle East, certainly not in Arab countries. And you're a vicious anti-Semite and you're a horrible, your your accusations are just disgraceful. But no, she, instead she said, well, I'm glad you spoke up. Your voice must be heard. Your truth cannot be suppressed. It must be heard. It's outrageous, the vice president of the United States. So now Harris's top advisors are busy trying to mop this thing up. They're calling every Jewish or Kamala is getting a lot of backlash, as she should. Uh, Every Jewish organization, they're trying to spin this thing so that it does not come off looking like she condones anti-Semitism or like she validates the, the belief the insane belief that Israel is commi- is committing genocide. And and by the way, even the, the mop-up pitch, this is pitifully weak, even the retraction, clarification, whatever words you want to use, no apology, is extremely weak. Here Here's the statement that they put out, that Harris put out, quote, 
Throughout her career, the vice president has been unwavering in her commitment to Israel and Israel's security. This is a statement by Harris's spokeswoman, Simone Sanders, to the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. Quote, while visiting George Mason University to discuss voting rights, a student voiced a personal opinion during a political science class. The vice president strongly disagrees with the student's characterization of Israel. So that's how they spin this thing is strongly disagrees. That's the best you can do is strongly disagrees. I mean, how about this student said something egregious? This student said something 100 percent false anti-Semitic, spewed vicious hatred. How about all of that? I mean, imagine if the student had gotten up and said, you know, I think the majority of, 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 of prisons in the United States are filled with black people. How about if the student had said, you know, I, I think that the majority of terrorists are Muslims, are radical Muslims, are, are, are Islamic extremists. I mean, would, would Kamala have just stood there and said, well, you know, I think you have a right to say, I'm glad you spoke up. And would Kamala then in a retraction or a clarification later say, I strongly disagree? It would be much, 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 much stronger than I strongly disagree. I mean, this is just absolutely disgraceful. And again, it shows you now, do, do I do I think that Kamala believes that Israel is guilty of genocide? I'll be honest, I have no idea. I, I could easily sit here and say, oh, well, we know that Kamala doesn't feel that way. We have no idea because, as I said, she has no core. She's always jumping around. When she was running for the primaries, you know, she had like seven different versions of Medicare for all. She couldn't – will private insurance still exist? Will it not exist? She couldn't take a stand on any one issue. Everything was like, let's have a conversation about it. We outlined that at the time. So her views are all over the map. So like we – I don't know. I, I'd like to believe that she supports Israel. In the past, she seems to have been supportive of Israel. So let's even give her credit and assume that she doesn't believe that. But she'll throw anybody under the bus, whether it's Israel or Biden or anybody else. I mean, look at look at what she did to Biden on the border, by the way. Not that I'm excusing Biden on the border, but but you know, she's supposed to be in charge of the border. She quickly realized, well, wait a second. If I go down to the border and I actually get involved, it's all going to be blamed on me. So what did she do? She just let him she's letting Biden take the fall. Which is which is all fine and good. Biden deserves it, but like she clearly doesn't feel any sense of loyalty to Joe Biden. It's all about what's going to help Kamala, and that makes her extremely dangerous. Um, and she's willing to totally pander to anybody who hates Israel or who hates America again if that's going to help bolster Kamala. All right, so President Biden actually refused. I give him credit here. He actually refused. Again, it's whenever I say Biden, it's obviously not Biden. It's obviously whoever it is who's really calling the shots, which we know is not Biden. It's his people or whoever. So uh, Biden refused an in-person meeting with Mahmoud Abbas. And I just want you to think about who's really responsible. This is actually stunning news. It did not get a lot of media attention. But um, there's a report in Axios, and it was picked up by many outlets, that uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the PA, the president of the PA, the Palestinian Authority, the terrorist leader, Mahmoud Abbas, he's supposed to be the moderate, but he's not. So he... Uh, he requested a, an in-person meeting. He's coming in. He was planning to come in for the UN General Assembly. In the end, he just did his. He gave his speech remotely. But he said, "If I come in in person, can I meet with President Biden?" Reached out to the White House, and the White House said, "Thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to meet with you, Mahmoud Abbas." Now, this was reported in Axios. And he said, "Listen, I'll meet with the president in New York. I'll meet with him in Washington D.C." And uh, Biden said, no. Why did this happen? This happened because of Trump, because Trump did such a good job of totally sidelining Mahmoud Abbas and rendering him irrelevant, rendering the Palestinians irrelevant. It's no longer a cause. It's no longer on, on the radar of the Democrat Party. Think about Obama. Obama met with, met with Mahmoud Abbas more than once. Obama, as recently as 2014, met with Mahmoud Abbas in the White House. Obama treated Abbas better than he treated 
Israel and Netanyahu. He treated Netanyahu like a janitor. So think about the turnaround here. I would have totally expected Biden to uh, invite Abbas to the White House as well. But now suddenly it's not popular anymore, even amongst Democrats. You know, and and, and think about it. It's because Bi- it's because Trump moved the embassy. It's because Trump pulled funding away from the Palestinians, the funding they were using for terror attacks, the pay-to-slave program. So this is a report in Axios. Several weeks ago, Abbas and his aides were trying to decide whether he should visit the UN in person. So they reached out to the White House. Can we have a personal meeting? And the White House told the Palestinians, listen to this, Biden would not do any bilateral meetings in New York, and his schedule would not allow for a meeting in Washington. I mean, his schedule, what, like in between naps? He couldn't he couldn't meet with Abbas for like 10 or 15 minutes? So this is what they told Abbas. But what's amazing is, so Abbas decided, all right, you know what, I'll just videotape the speech instead and not bother to travel to the U.S. But here's the amazing thing. Biden, he was not in New York very long, but he had three bilateral meetings. So Biden tells Abbas, sorry, Biden, you know, the president's not having any bilateral meetings in New York. And then he asked, so I can't meet with you, Mahmoud. And then he had three bilateral meetings in New York. Well, gee, and uh, the White House declined to comment uh, in response to the story on Axios. And, and again, why couldn't he meet with him for half an hour in Washington? Well, he's just too busy. The answer is because Mahmoud Abbas is irrelevant right now. If Hillary Clinton had been elected back in 2016, they would be rolling out the red carpet for Abbas. But Trump, as I said, he totally marginalized Abbas. He exposed the PA as, as, as just a giant terror group, which is what it is. And remember the Saudis. And remember Jared Kushner. He got very cushy with the Saudis, got very cushy with the UAE. And of course, the accords, the peace, the peace agreement between Israel and so many Arab countries and Israel and the Saudis. I think they don't uh, officially have uh, a diplomatic agreement, but everybody knows it is an open secret that the Israelis and the Saudis have been trading intel for many, many years. And, uh, you know, they have a very strong working relationship. Meanwhile, uh, what happened here? The UAE and the Saudis threw Mahmoud Abbas under the bus. They threw the Palestinians under the bus. Why? Because they wanted to, pay, to appease President Trump. And now, and now you see Biden following in the footsteps. They're not making a big deal out of this, Biden. But clearly, clearly giving the Palestinians the same kind of treatment, just completely ignoring them, which is a huge slap in the face. And uh, remember, you, you can thank Trump, you can thank Jared Kushner, you can thank Bibi Netanyahu for completely shifting the landscape and making the Palestinians irrelevant and powerless. All right, so as I said, let's get to this to this pa- to this spending package. There's three and a half trillion dollars, and there's two packages. The Democrats want to spend five trillion dollars in total. This is in addition; they've already spent trillions. Remember on the COVID relief package, which wasn't COVID relief, so it's at least. $5 trillion in new spending because you have the $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill, which is also in peril, and you have the 3 and a half, that's a bipartisan bill because they have a bunch of Republicans on board. You have the $3.5 trillion spending package. It's a lot more than $3.5 trillion. I want to be clear. It's probably closer to like 5 or $6 trillion. There's no way to know because they do all sorts of shenanigans, the Democrats. Probably Republicans do this too in their bills. I have no idea. They're all They're all members of the swamp, but the Democrats, they literally do all sorts of tricks to try to hide a lot of the money. They'll like make the, you know, they'll do certain programs. They'll set them up to only be five-year programs instead of 10-year programs. And then they're going to get extended later on because these, these, these programs, these social programs, the entitlements, they always get extended. I mean, they never, Ben Shapiro made the point from Ronald Reagan, you know, a, a Washington in DC entitlement, a government, a, a, a federal program, spending program never ever Shuts down. It always gets extended. That's the, that's a rule. It's something you can guarantee. You could take it to the bank. So 
the $3.5 trillion spending package, right, here's what happened. The leftists have linked the two bills. So basically the radicals on the left, the squad and a lot of the, you know, left wing of the party, I mean, they're all left wing, so it's absurd, but the socialist extremist wing of the party, they're saying they're only going to vote for the infrastructure bill after the spending bill passes because they think that enough people want the infrastructure bill to pass that they're not going to let the infrastructure bill die. So they think if they hold up the infrastructure bill, then that's going to force all the Democrats to, to vote on the $3.5 trillion bill in order to get the infrastructure bill passed because they don't want to not have the infrastructure bill passed. So they're linking it together, which is why many people are outraged at the Republican. I don't support the infrastructure bill either. We simply cannot afford it right now. You want, you, want, you want to cut spending somewhere else, you can have your infrastructure bill. But it's ridiculous to me that you're not cutting spending anywhere else and then you're going to start spending more trillions and we have such a massive amount of debt and such a massive budget deficit. But uh, so people are upset at the Republicans. Why are you voting for the infrastructure bill? That's going to enable this other track to pass with the $3.5 trillion uh, uh, package because uh, Democrats are linking the two bills. But here's the good news. Manchin and Cinema are the only two relatively sane Democrats, and they have been resisting. Joe Manchin of West Virginia, uh, he's no moderate. He's a liberal, but he, he, he realizes he's not that liberal. He's not a socialist. And, and, and Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, and they're saying this is nuts. They're basically saying this, this $3.5 trillion, these socialist programs are just I- I- madness. So – Here's what Biden is claiming. Biden is claiming that this bill – I want to explain something very important. Biden says – and a lot of the Democrats, Pelosi, and they're saying this over. And by the way, Pelosi, Schumer, and Biden, they are looking like very, very weak leaders right now. They're looking very pitiful that they can't get their party together. I'm surprised because Democrats usually tend to follow the party. Republicans usually end up more factions and the conservatives and the moderates are always fighting with each other and they can't agree. They couldn't repeal Obamacare as we as we know. They couldn't fund the wall border wall. But uh, usually Democrats, it's like whatever the party leaders say, that's what they follow. It shows you how extreme the party has become. But meanwhile, Pelosi, Schumer and Biden are not looking very strong right now. And Ocasio and Bernie Sanders, they're looking like major disruptors. But here's the thing. I keep hearing this same statement over and over again. It's paid for. It's paid for. It's paid for. This is a zero spending bill because uh, it's already paid for. We're, pay- we're paying for every penny of this. First, it's not true. It's not true. The math never ends up. They're raising taxes like crazy. This is this bill is a is a is a huge tax hike. I know it's only on the rich. It's only on big corporations. No, 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 no. But but even if that were true, <clears throat> it's still it's still the math doesn't add up. It never does. We never, ever bring in enough in tax revenue to actually cover the cost of the bill. Look at previous bills like this over the last 30 or 40 years. And you'll, it'll prove my point, but that's not my issue over here. The issue is as follows, and, and Ben Shapiro sort of made this point. Even if you want to raise taxes, which I'm totally against. I mean, Trump, he boosted the economy by lowering taxes. We had one of the highest <clears throat> corporate tax rates in America. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you want to raise taxes, you got to use that money for the money we already owe. Here's the, the this is the, 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 the major fallacy in this logic. Well, it's paid for because we're going to raise taxes. So that's going to pay for trillions that we're spending in this bill. If you want to raise taxes, which I'm against, but if you want to do that, do you know we have a $28 trillion uh, national debt and they now want to raise the debt ceiling? You know, we have like a th- over a $3 trillion budget deficit for the second year in a row. I mean, the, the country is so, so, so uh, in the red right now. The country owes so many trillions of dollars. And you're saying, well, I'm going to raise taxes, but instead of using that for all the money that we're in debt, for all, all the, we are so behind. I mean, it's like, it's nuts. It would be like, it'd be like if I'm like, 
you know, uh, my personal debt, if I have like $300,000 of debt and I go to somebody ask for a loan, oh, what are you using the loan for? Are you using the loan because you want to pay up your $300,000 in debt? I don't know who'd loan me the money anyway with that amount of debt, but let's just say, right? Or, or I go to somebody and say, here, give me, give me a gift of $50,000. I need to, I, you know, I, I need $50,000. And, and please give me a gift. You're a close friend of mine. Cause what they're, what they're doing is they're really stealing tax money here that rightfully belongs to the taxpayers. Well, let's just say, right? Well, what are you going to use the 50000 for to pay off some of your debt? No, I'm going to use it to buy a new car. We're going to use it to buy a new a new yacht. I mean, I, I, I want a hel- I need a helicopter pretty badly. Like, uh, hello, you're in massive debt, and you're actually getting some free money, and instead of using it to pay off the debt, you're using it to spend on new expenses that you cannot afford. So we're raising taxes on the wealthy. We don't have the money to begin with to pay for all the things that we are supposed to be paying for. And now we're saying, oh, it's zero cost because we're going to use, we're going to use the money that we're raising through these tax hikes. We're going to use it for some, for a new expense, which we cannot afford, which is totally not necessary when we have all these other expenses. You see the absurdity of it? And it goes even further. And Ben Shapiro made this point in his column. Joe Biden called this bill the Build Back Better bill. He called it an investment. And he says, if you don't pass this bill, you're wasting money. You're, this is what Biden said. You're wasting money if you don't support this bill. Why are you wasting money? What's his logic? Because the taxpayers are keeping their money. That's a waste. The taxpayers, they don't know how to spend their own money. If you let the taxpayers, if you let the wealthy keep their money, you're wasting money. Well, Joe, how are you wasting money? They're keeping their money because you think they know how to spend it. This is the, this is the logic. The twisted liberal logic is – we're, we're going to steal their money and we're going to say it's the upstanding thing to do for the government to take the money because we're the only ones who know how to spend it. You realize how wasteful it is? What's wasteful? We're, we're letting billions of dollars stay in the pockets of all these all, all these business owners who worked hard to, to, to earn this money. You're letting them keep their money? How are you wa- you're, you're wasting that money? What do you mean wasting? Because they're keeping it. It's our money. It's the government's money. We could spend it on all these amazing programs. Why on earth would we let them keep the money themselves? Here's what Ben Shapiro said, quote, in Biden's brain, allowing taxpayers to retain their own money is wasting money, spending trillions of dollars on social programs that pervert market incentives and often achieve the precise opposite of their stated intentions is an investment. If you steal my wallet and find $100 inside, proceed to inform me that giving me back $20 would be wasting money, snidely notify me that you will be investing in a steak dinner for yourself and then cap your performance by stating that the dinner is zero cost, you would deserve a rather thorough thrashing. Do it in the context of national politics, however, and the media will cheer. All of this is predicated on a lie. I'm quoting Shapiro here, that the state is the ultimate source of property and wealth. If that were true, the state would certainly have every ability to maximize its own power by shifting that property around to political allies. All right, end quote. So that's Ben Shapiro. Now, what's in this bill? Let's talk about what's in this bill. Then we'll talk about how they plan to pay for it. I mean, this is just so filled, the Build Back Better Act, it is so filled with this socialist wish list over here. Two years of free community college of all, for all students, regardless of family income. Yes, in this bill is going to be two years of free tuition community college for all students, regardless of family income. So they're going to be sending millionaires to college for free. That's going to, that's projected to cost $108 billion. I'm going to tell you the projections over here, but just, you have to multiply it in your head by a lot more, obviously. And this bill includes $80 billion for new Pell Grants. Those are college tuition grants that, uh, you know, that way we give new money and that way colleges can raise their tuition and the government's going to cover the cost. Uh, and, uh, these universities and colleges get wealthy off the taxpayer dimes. Uh, this bill includes child care and universal pre-K. Every family will qualify for child care assistance for children 
age 0 through 5, every family, and universal pre-K. So the government is going to be paying enormous amounts of money for schooling for kids age 0 through 5 and for child care. And again, every family qualifies, it seems, regardless of income. This bill includes a Medicare expansion. So Medicare will include dental, hearing, and vision services. And again, Medicare also is not income-based. As far as I'm aware, you know, any, any person over a certain age, whatever that age is, somewhere in the 60s, qualifies for Medicare. They could be a millionaire. They could be a billionaire. They get Medicare. And now that's going to include dental, hearing, and vision services. Again, if this thing passes, which now it's looking very bleak. Uh, this bill will include, although they're trying to, they're, they're trying to pass a, a different version of it where there's less spending and Manchin would agree. Uh, to, to support it, this this bill would include extended child tax credits. So these child tax credits are already being handed out. This is a lot of money, and it's not a child tax credit. That is a misnomer, as I always explain, because even if somebody's paying no money in taxes, if they have children, they're getting back thousands and thousands. If it was a real child tax, they call it a tax credit because they want it to sound reasonable. It's not reasonable. It's a handout because millions and millions of families are not are, are in the low income bracket. They're not paying any taxes and they're still getting thousands of dollars back. Well, where do you think that money's coming from? It's coming from the wealthier people, you know, who are paying taxes and it's coming from the middle class as well, I would add. So Democrats already expanded the child tax credit for 2021 in their COVID relief plan. Now they want to extend it through 2025. Under that um, new credit, families receive $3,600 per child under age six, $3,000 per child ages 6 to 18, and now they want to extend extend it through 2025. Now, remember, as Ben Shapiro pointed out, that extend further. Once they get it to 2025, it's going to extend even further. They always do this. They have a a tax credit, and then they extend it and extend it and extend it, because how could you let a tax credit expire or sunset? So uh, they're not counting it. They're only – this is a trick that they use, as Shapiro pointed out, where it's only counting through 2025, so they're only counting the expense of how much it's going to cost to extend it through 2025 – but it should be counted as a 10-year expense because they always count these things as 10-year expenses, but they're only making it a, a four-year expense. So that way they make it look like this bill is going to cost less because this is a, a huge, a huge chunk of money. Um, <clears throat> Manchin says the, the spending package should impose work requirements. Any parents who qualify for these child programs in this bill, it should, on, it should only be if they fulfill work requirements, they have to be working or they have to be at least trying to find a job. There's no work requirements, so everybody gets the money. Here's a quote from Manchin on CNN, quote, you want to help children and parents that are basically providing for the children. There's no work requirements whatsoever. There's no education requirements for better skill tests. Don't you think if we're going to help the children that the people should make some effort, end quote. So Manchin basically saying you're allowing – you're giving people all this money for having kids, but like you're not requiring that they work. So you're never going to actually encourage them to get a job and to support the kids themselves. All you're doing is just giving out free money. That's not going to help the children in the long run. He's right. Uh, the, the bill would cut prescription drug prices. The bill would cover 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave. Yes, 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave. This is a dream of the socialists. Um, it would replace at least two-thirds of, of salary of up to $4,000 per month, which is a, a huge expense. I don't need to tell you. It would literally – people will have the right to take 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave, and they'll be reimbursed of at least two-thirds of their salary up to $4,000 a month. Pure socialism. The White House estimates that would cost $225 billion over 10 years. I guarantee you it will cost more than that. The plan would address climate change, of course, um, thanks to Ocasio and Bernie and uh, their you know Green New Deal um, 
obsession, $150 billion ambitions of, uh, of having a Green New Deal. This is only a tiny, tiny fraction of what they want, but it's something which we cannot afford. $150 billion paid to utility companies which increase their renewable energy supplies by 4% a year. Companies that do not hit that benchmark are going to get financial penalties. Well, of course, because we need to pay for this bill. The bill also provides significant funding for forest management and other wildlife control measures. The bill would incentivize the buying of electric vehicles and the construction of charging stations. Um, consumer rebates to homeowners who weather fit, weather fit their houses. By the way, who do you think that's going to benefit? I mean, who do you think is buying new electric vehicles? Uh, it, it, who, who, which, which homeowners are weather fitting their houses? It's not the poor. It's going to be the middle class, but more likely it's going to be the wealthy. Um, financial penalties for oil and gas producers for methane leaks, among other things. So those are some of the major things included in the bill. There's other expenses as well. How would they pay for it? Um, well, high taxes, of course, raise taxes. So the corporate rate would, 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 would boost, would be boosted from 21% to 26%. Here's my problem with that is that when Trump lowered the corporate tax rate, income tax revenues went up. Now you're going to tell me, well, that it didn't go up as much if you adjust for inflation. I don't care. You literally cut taxes, gave people back their money, and not only did tax revenues, income tax revenues, go up as a result, but um, or at least in, in in subsequent years, whether you say it's as a result or not, but they did. People told us, oh, you know, income tax revenues are going to go down. They went up. Maybe they didn't go up as high as Democrats would want, but people actually kept their money, and tax revenues still went up. Government tax revenues. And are at record levels. In addition, remember how much that boosted the economy. When companies get back their tax dollars, what do they do with it? They invest it in their employees. They want their employees to be happy. They want to reimburse and compensate their employees, and they invest it in the marketplace. They 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 do new investments. They put that money into new investments. They you know they invest it in growth. They they, they invested in all, all sorts of new products, research and development for their own company. There, there are just so many things. When you give companies and corporations back the money, they don't just, you know, Democrats have you, have you believe all these CEOs, they just hoard the money for themselves. Yes, they do get bonuses. Yes, they do take, they do give themselves raises 100%. And maybe that we should do something and have that conversation. But they also put millions and millions of dollars, you know, back into the marketplace and it's trickle, it trickles down, the trickle down effect. And uh, it gets to the little guys and it gets to the middle class. So if you raise the corporate tax rate right now, who do you think that's going to hurt? That's going to crush the middle class. And they also want to increase the top income tax rate for Americans earning over $400,000 a year from 37% to 39.6%. And the, the, the capital gains tax rate, the top rate, will go from 20 to 25%. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with increasing taxes on people earning over $400,000. That's fine. But you need, we are so in so much debt right now, and there is such a massive deficit. If you're going to raise taxes, use the money for the current spending, which we already cannot afford. Don't go and take that money and use it to pay for new socialist bills. I mean, it just makes absolutely zero sense. All right, so as I said, the corporate tax rate, that would really crush the middle class. It'll be passed along. The same way they pass their tax saving along, savings along to the middle class under the Trump tax cuts, they will absolutely pass that along, pass the, um, the, the higher tax rate, the tax increase along to their middle class employees. Who, who do you think the middle class people work for? They work for these corporations. Now, there's another thing which always irks me. I've said this before. You know, another way they're going to pay for this is they're going to enforce tax, they're going to enforce taxes, meaning they're going to enforce tax collection. In other words, the IRS, um, is going to enforce 
tax collection. There's a lot of people who are getting away with cheating on their taxes, and part of the plan is going to beef up tax enforcement by the IRS as a means of paying for this massive spending package. Now, how does that make any sense? Basically, people are not paying their fair share in taxes. People are cheating on their taxes, and the IRS, it's slipping through the cracks. The IRS is not enforcing it. So uh, part of this bill is going to help the IRS, give the IRS resources or whatever is needed to actually enforce the tax code, actually crack down on people who are cheating on their taxes and collect more taxes. Why is that? And that's going to pay for this bill. Well, hello, if we're not collecting, obviously they're figuring that whatever resources we allocate to the IRS to beef up security and beef up enforcement and collect more taxes, obviously it's going to be worthwhile. We're going to bring in more than 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 we're spending. So it's a worthwhile effort, right? It's a worthwhile venture to do this. Well, why don't you do this without – if the IRS is letting things slip through the cracks, if people are cheating on the taxes and getting away with it, then Congress should convene and they should figure out a way to make sure the IRS collects all the taxes that are owed and enforce taxes. That that should be being done already. This is this is a classic Washington tactic. They do this all the time where they say, well, we need to pay for this bill. How are we going to pay for this bill? Oh, I know. We'll make sure that people pay their, their fair share in taxes. We'll make sure that people don't cheat on their taxes. We're not enforcing it right now. So they let people basically cheat. The system, they let people basically steal from the government, essentially, and not follow the law. They don't do anything to enforce it or don't do enough to enforce it. And then, well, oh, we have a great fundraising uh, strategy here. Well, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to make sure that people pay their taxes. Make sure they pay their taxes without this bill. That's not new money. That's money that we're supposed to be getting that we're not getting. That should be dealt with now, and then you'll have more money to pay for all the things that we're not able to pay for and, and, and to prevent the debt from growing even more. I mean, just think about that. How are you going to raise the money? Well, somebody owes me money, and I'm going to collect that money. Well, why didn't you do that uh, without um, this new spending uh, plan that you have? Well, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to actually collect the money that I'm owed, but now I, I mean, it's just nuts. It's, it's abs- only in Washington. Only the government can get away with that kind of absurd logic. All right, so Senator Manchin, as I said, is opposed to the bill. We're short on time here, but as I said, Manchin is not a, a, a centrist like they're trying to make him out to be. Manchin voted against repealing Obamacare. Manchin voted against the Trump tax cuts. The Trump tax cuts, okay? That, that was an, an amazing, amazing piece of legislation. Manchin was against it. Manchin voted to impeach Trump twice. Manchin, look, I know that he's not a radical. I, I definitely consider Manchin a liberal. What happens is things have shifted so far extreme to the left that it makes people like Manchin seem like a moderate, but he's not. It's just that the rest of the party has moved over so much that now they can call Manchin a moderate. Manchin is a leftist. If you don't vote for the ta- Trump tax cuts, I'm sorry, then you are a liberal. If you're a centrist, how can you excuse yourself? How can you possibly not not have voted for the Trump tax cuts? But anyway, either way, the media, the Democrats, they're furious of cinema and Manchin and acting like they're the bad guys. And um, uh, Senator Manchin issued a scathing statement about this spending package, criticizing the cost, the tax increases – and the social programs that spend for the sake of spending. That's a quote from Manchin. Quote, what I've made clear to the president and Democratic leaders is spending trillions more on new and expanded government programs when we cannot pay for essential social programs like Social Security and Medicare is the definition of fiscal insanity. So, uh, end quote. So there you go. So Manchin himself, sounding like a conservative, but he's not, and that shows you how radical this bill is. Manchin's saying you're literally spending for the sake of spending. It's just the, the, the Democrats want to be able to enter 2022 and tell people, wow, look, we've, we're fighting for you. We're taxing the rich and we are delivering you all these amazing things, this wish list that you've been dreaming about. It's bribing the American people and, as I said, bankrupting the country and, and mortgaging the future.
All right. So um, Joe Biden, President Biden, another lie exposed about Afghanistan and that whole debacle. This is according to the Washington Examiner based on last week's testimony in Congress by top generals. So essentially, Biden back in August claimed that he was never warned by his generals, by his military advisors, that he needed to leave troops in Afghanistan. That's what he said. And we now know that that is not true. That's being disputed by his own generals. So let me read you here from the Washington Examiner. Quote, on August 18th, three days after the Taliban seized control of Kabul, eight days before 13 U.S. service members were killed by a suicide bomber, George Stephanopoulos asked President Biden on ABC what advice he received on leaving some forces in Afghanistan. Stephanopoulos said, quote, your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. Biden replied, no, they didn't. And uh, Stephanopoulos says back, so nobody told you, your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been on a, a stable situation for several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. And Biden re, 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 reaffirmed. He said, quote, reiterated, no, no one said to me, no one said that to me that I can recall, which, by the way, let me interject. Maybe he's telling the truth that he did not recall the conversation. But last week, Senate Armed Services Committee oversight hearing, the, the, the Biden's own top military leaders contradicted him under questioning from Republican Senator James Inhofe, uh, U.S. Central Command Commander General Kenneth McKenzie. He said, quote, I will not share my personal recommendation to the president, but I'll give you my honest opinion. My honest opinion and view shaped my recommendation. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. Senator Tom Cotton followed up, asking Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, quote, is it your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops to stay in Afghanistan? Now, both of them declined to say exactly what they told the president, but listen to what they said. Quote, Milley said, quote, yes, my assessment was back in the fall of 2020, and it remained consistent that we keep a steady state of 2,500 and it could bounce up to 3,500 to move toward a negotiated solution. So pressed by Cotton, if he shared that assessment with Biden, Milley again declined to share what he told the president. Here's what he said, quote, but I will tell you what my personal opinion was, and I am always candid. Cotton then turned to Lloyd Austin, defense secretary, asked him if Biden's statement to Stephanopoulos that no military advisors told him to leave a, a small troop presence, if that was in fact true. Austin waited five long seconds, and then he said, quote, I believe that, well, first of all, I believe the president to be an honest and forthright man. Cotton stopped him and asked, quote, did these officers' recommendations get to the president personally? Austin responded, quote, their input was received by the president and considered by the president for sure. And quoting here in the examiner, quote, so there you have it, Biden lied, 13 U.S. service member, members died soon after. This issue is not in the rearview window. Al-Qaeda is now empowered to use Afghanistan as a base to target the U.S. again, there are also still 2,500 troops in Iraq assisting its government fighting against the Islamic State. Biden lied about the advice he got on Afghanistan. So the Washington Examiner, they tend to lean conservative. They're usually not this strong. I was pretty amazed at how strong they are, just literally saying point blank that Biden lied. But it's because Biden lied. And, lied. and again, the, 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 the these generals, they're leaving this chance of plausible deniability here. Well, we're not going to a share. This is, this is what they're going to say. They're not going to get up there and contradict Biden because they're just not going to do that. He's not Trump, you know, so they're not going to say something 
negative, literally throw him under the bus. But that is exactly what they did because, well, what, what did you tell Biden? Well, I'm not going to discuss specifically what I told Biden. Well, what's your belief? What's your opinion? Uh, well, my opinion is we should have left 2,500 troops, and I've been saying that from day one. Well, can you tell us that you told that to Biden? No, I cannot. And then they said to Lloyd Austin, uh, do you think that uh, the – not do you think. They asked him, did, did these military leaders' advice, did it get to Biden? Did their assessment get to Biden? He said, well, I believe that Biden is an honest and forthright man, and, and he's trying to hedge, and he's trying to dodge the question. And Cotton said, that's not what I'm asking you. Did the assessment get to Biden? Yes, the assessment got to Biden. They're all clearly – what they're doing is – they're throwing him under the bus without specifically because it's not protocol. It's not the appropriate thing to do to sit there at a Senate hearing and say, yeah, the president lied. So they're saying everything they need to possibly say. We told him we not we told him. We believe, we believe, we believe. We're not going to get into what we told him. This has been our belief. We definitely thought 2,500 troops. And by the way, this is an open secret. We've known this for many, many weeks. It has leaked from multiple sources that these uh, military leaders said to Biden, please leave 2,500 troops. You need to stabilize the region. Region, The Taliban, they're going to swoop in. These, uh, these Afghanis, they're no match for the Taliban. They're going to cut and run. They're going to they're gonna flee the country, which is what the, the, the president of Afghanistan did. So Biden is a liar. Is the Washington Post going to expose him? Are they going to give him the four Pinocchios? Are they going to talk about how many lies he told in Afghanistan? And it is many. Are they going to give him the Trump treatment? Of course not, because he's Biden. He's their hero. He's a Democrat. He's the anti-Trump. He doesn't put out nasty tweets. He's a socialist. You know, so they, 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 he, they adore him. All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.